I learned my fear of heights when my younger brother attempted to push me through the railing, the narrow railing overlooking the Grand Canyon. Without the guardrails on top of a canyon or on a narrow mountain highway, we would plummet to our deaths. Without laws governing our behaviors, we experienced chaos and danger. Without fireplaces, the heat and the fire is uncontrolled and our houses would burn down. Boundaries are not intended to enslave us. Boundaries bring us safety and security and freedom. Authority is also an important concept of created reality. What do I mean by created reality? God's reality, if you've ever been through the Truth Project, reality is as it exists in the world as God has created it, God creating it. Authority is an important created reality of our lives. Someone has to be recognized as the person in charge, the person in authority. God is in charge of our lives. We must obey him, his boundaries, and his authority. God has also established institutions, and he established authorities within those institutions. He created marriage, the family, government, the church. He also created an authority structure within those institutions. But, of course, due to our sin nature, uh, the culture, we have attempted to redefine what those institutions are. A certain segment of our population wants to call marriage something different than a union between a man and a woman for life. Another segment wants to change the authority structure of the family. Submission. This word submission has become a dirty word to some people. Sinful representatives, representatives in government. If, if I want to get worked up right now, I'll start talking about the government. Both Republicans and Democrats. I'm, not, I'm indiscriminate in my frustration with them. It's because of their sin nature that they are kowtowing to lobbyists, perks, PACs, other lobbyists, and privilege. Okay, there's my political statement for the day. Hopefully I didn't offend anybody in here, whatever your political affiliation. Pastors and elders sometimes find themselves herding cats who would seek to serve our own consumer desires in churches. If we're honest with ourselves, that's very true. I, I'll never forget a phrase that Dave used immediately when he came to this church, that we spiritualize our preferences. We put those things up as though they are indisputable matters when so often, you know, worship style, you know, certain issues in the church that are disputable matters, we, we, we raise those to a level of authority that don't deserve that raising. As I indicated in the church e-letter e tease this week, I knew my dad was the boss of my family. Anybody have a dad like that? You knew who was in charge. You knew who was in control, right? I said in the thing, he was at his height, he was six foot three, 250 pounds. You did not mess with my dad. Right? And I was wise to respect the authority of my parents and my family and to stay within the boundaries they set. When I did not obey my parents, my hind end, large as it is, became the object of my dad's hand, his belt, or my mom's sorority paddle. <laughs> and he tried to apologize to me like about 20 years ago. You know, he's 81 and I'm 55. He, he says, Bob, I hit you too much. 
I said, Dad, I smiled at him. I said, Dad, I had it coming every time. You never abused me. You never, oh, you never got out of control with me. I had it coming, right? That's just how it is. Now, I could go off on a rant right now where children do not fear that kind of authority anymore, and they just run roughshod over it. I don't think that's necessarily true, but to a certain degree, there's not the fear of God and the fear of fathers and mothers to the level where there's a healthy respect and an awe. This fear is the awe of the Lord a healthy respect for his authority, a healthy respect for a father or a mother. When I submitted to my parents, life went well. There was unity in the family. There was peace in the valley. You know, the Trinity is a beautiful illustration of unity, submission, boundaries, and respect for authority. Think about it. Jesus, God the Son, he always abided in God the Father. He went to the Father. He wanted to know what his marching orders were on any given day. He got away from the busyness of his life, of ministry, of people clamoring to get to him, the teaching that he was doing in small groups and in large bodies. He needed to know what God wanted him to do. He had a perfect respect for the authority of his Father, abiding in him, seeking his will, and completing his work for the honor and glory of the Father. And after the resurrection... Remember, Jesus said God the, sent God the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit submitted. I, all of us probably have some difficulty when Jesus made the statement of, it's better that I go away than I send the, the Spirit. I'm thinking, really? My, if I'd heard that first time directly, really, Jesus? No, no. Stay here. You're awesome. We need you. Just stay alive forever and ever and ever. But that wasn't the plan. Uh, we always want to remake God's plans. God had a perfect plan. He, Jesus ascended to heaven. The Son sent God the Holy Spirit. And it is good because in each of you who claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And as he does, he directs you to do the work that God wants you to do. That only you and your unique personality and purpose that he has given for you to live out the work that he's given you for him and for his glory. The Holy Spirit obeyed, obeys the direction of the Son of the Father. When we obey the Holy Spirit's leading, we sense a peace and a joy, even when life is raging around us. So today we come to this passage of Ephesians, as Dave read so well, to a spot where the principle of respect for authority will bring unity, joy, and peace to the diversity of a family. And you see in your bulletin that the title of the message is, We Are a Family. I always wrestle with that. What do you call something that might be memorable? It's, this is in line with what's already been talked before, but this is good. We are in a family. Today, I want you to think about the fact that you're in a nuclear family. If you're single, you're still in a family. If you're married and you have children, you're in a family, obviously. If you're older and you're empty nesters, uh, you're still a family. There's a family that you uh, have in, in a nuclear around you, but there's also a family here, is there not? Walking Community Church is a family, that's how I view this church, very much so. At a church where I was before, where there were, I don't know, 12, 1,300 people, it was hard to know everybody in the family. Here it's a cool thing because we can know most everybody in the family. I can look out in this audience, and many of you have been here for many years, but even the people who are new to the family, I, I love being in that family with you. So think about this as I'm teaching through this about the authority, not only in the structure of the nuclear family, but also this family we call Waukee Community Church. In families, there must be boundaries, rules, order, authority, submission, and obedience. 
God created the family to propagate godliness in his created world. So I have a one-point sermon today, basically. Dave's encouraging us to be a little bit more you know, tight. Some of you remember what I've preached before. Like, I remember once I had like 10 points. How can you remember 10 points? But I had to drive it. I'm an overachiever. Come on, when I come in with a sermon, I'm going to give you 10 points. Why can't you remember? I want to remember. Right? Well, one point today. It should pop up on the screen. Humility and respect for authority are at the root of better families. This is what God led me to believe as I was reading through the text, praying over the text, reading commentaries about the text. Humility and respect for authority are at the root of better families. In fact, I'm going to go so far to say is that humility, brokenness, may be the most important character trait that any of us shows in our lives. That we are broken before the Lord, that we are humble, and that we don't think we have it all together because we think we have it all together, but we do not. I'm sorry to you know, offend you here today. I'm just going to tell you the truth. You do not have it all together. You are messed up. I'm sorry. You're me- I'm messed up. I'm, I'm not just pointing the finger at you when I got four more coming back at me. We're all messed up. Some of us are just more messed up than others. And the only way you can avoid being more messed up is by coming to the Lord and following hard after Him and being humble and broken before Him to follow Him and do what He tells you to do. First and foremost, humility and respect for authority at the root of better families. We already have a predisposition to disobedience. That's sin. So we discipline, we discipline ourselves. We have to be more disciplined ourselves to become more obedient to God and the authorities established within families and the church. God knows us better than anyone, doesn't he? He knows us better than ourselves. We are self-deceptive people. We, wa- we waltz around. We try to put images up in front of people. We engage in Im- image patrol. I sh- I'm not like that typically. In fact, like Dave gets permission from his children to share, and his wife to share stories. My, here's my poor family in the front row. I'm going to tell a story here today. I didn't ask any permission. <laughs> I figure, come on. You got to benefit from my mistakes and how I messed up. I'm free to just take a knife and come open up my guts and say, here I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Learn from the bad. Maybe every once in a while I do something right. Learn from the good, right? We deceive ourselves. God knows what's best for us. When we are in perfect sync with God and we're doing what God wants us to do, where the will of God is consistent with the will of Bob, it's good. It's good. That's humility. That's respect for the authority of God. So it starts with my relationship with the God the Father. What a great day to talk about God the Father on Father's Day and the respect for authority and, and how when, we're, when we obey Him, things go well. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems or challenges. You are. Jesus said you're going to have trouble. But take heart. Jesus said too, I have overcome the world. It's the, the victory's already won. It's just on a day-to-day basis when each one of us is, is interacting with messed up people, sinful people, and including what we do to contribute ourselves to that dysfunction in a relationship, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have problems. Don't, you know, don't think you're going to go through your life like swimmingly and everything's going to go perfect. Anybody had a perfect day yet? Wish I did, but they never are perfect. You know, we can wish for that all we want, but we have to deal with the reality. And the reality is, when you have a difficult day, you go to the Lord. You rest in the assurance that the Lord is your refuge, your strong tower, your strength, and your weakness. So let me take a moment to lay a foundation for children obeying their parents. Okay, I'm talking to all you children. I'm not just, in this text, according to the commentators, it would have been intended more for younger children. So I'm looking 
We've got some good younger people over here. I'm looking like you kind of congregate together. Like, here you are. I got to see David back there. Everything's good. Children, children, this, this is to you, okay? This is important, children. You have got to understand that you must obey your parents, right? And here's how that starts. It starts this way. It starts with a, with a, a husband starts with a husband showing a healthy respect for God, loving the Father, and for people seeing that, for, for people to see me as the father in a home or a husband in a home, respecting him, appreciating his authority, right? So husbands are God's designated servant leaders in their homes, and children have to respect the, the father in the home. I, I read Dave's notes from last week. I, I didn't get to hear it because I was preaching in a church in Oskaloosa, but I read through it really carefully. I did a magnificent job, if, the words, if he preached the same words that he had on the paper, I'm presuming it was close, of showing how the God-ordained relationship between a man and a woman in marriage is a beautiful example of this respect for authority and, and submission, this word that's come to have negative connotations, unfortunately. The husband loves his wife as Christ loves the church. Right? That's Ephesians 5. Unconditionally, unconditionally and sacrificially. He outserves his wife. So even though my wife, now here's a story I'm going to share, even though I didn't get permission right now, it just popped in my mind. So hopefully it's from the Holy Spirit, not from Bob's human spirit. Oh, Dave's shaking his head. Please, no, no, no. Don't do it, Bob. Don't do it to yourself. My wife may get annoyed when I start the laundry load at five o'clock in the morning because I'm up and I'm taking a guy to the airport because I just want to keep things in play. I want to keep the laundry going. Get the load into the dryer, get a new load into the washer, right? Right, she gets annoyed with me though. Why? It's loud, okay, I get it, five o'clock in the morning. When I shut the door, I'm thinking, this is okay, it's okay, she should be happy with me. I'm doing, I'm doing the laundry, this is a good thing. Okay. So, I love my wife, I attempt to outserve my wife. Oh, she's giving me a really interesting look right there in the front row. <laughs> what? 2.15 in the morning, was it? Yeah, but you were, oh, you weren't, that's right, it was 2.15 and she wasn't up. That's right, okay. All right. all right. I repent in front of all of you. Please forgive me. All of you. So, the husband outserves his wife, he loves his wife as Christ loves the church, the wife respects her husband and his authority. In the ideal, and I'm, there's no perfect marriage out there, oh, certainly mine is not perfect because I'm in it and I mess it up constantly. In an, in an ideal, not a perfect marriage, the husband's love leads to greater respect. Wouldn't that be the natural thing? It's the Ephesians 5.33. What are the roles of the husband? As Dave outlined him last week, the wife uh, the, the husband loves his wife. The wife respects her husband. There's nothing better than when my wife respects me. When she says that I've done something well, you know, I just, you know, my chest puffs out. And, you know, I'm a man. That's my wife thinks I'm good. I'm serious. I'm not putting that on. I mean, I just think that's really a, an empowering thing when a wife does that for a husband. And a wife certainly loves to be loved unconditionally and sacrificially. I mean, when I do something, not because I want to get something in return, but because I, I love her. I made a commitment to her almost 32 years ago, August 7th, 32 years ago. This woman has stood by my side in spite of my 
telling stories that I don't get permission to tell and many other much worse and grievous offenses. But the same thing goes right, too. There's a book called Love and Respect. I can't remember the author's name. Emerson, Emmerich, it might be that. It's this husband and wife thing. If I withdraw love from my wife, chances are pretty good that she's going to withdraw respect from me. If she withdraws respect from me, you know, my sinful nature says, well, fine, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to get into some conditional love. Heck with that. You know, it's not the fireproof kind of love. You've never seen that movie. That, that one really got my attention big time, the way I was when I was acting like that character. Wives submit to their husbands as a part of submitting to the Lord out of reverence for Christ. That's Ephesians 5.21 that Dave covered last week. Wives subject themselves. That's what submission is. They subject. They willingly subject themselves to their husbands, not as doormats, but out of respect for the command of Scripture. The wife follows her husband as he follows Christ. I think normally, Cheryl, if she sees that I really want to follow hard after the Lord, that I want to do the thing that Christ wants me to do, that the Holy Spirit is directing you to do, wouldn't it be more, probably a more natural inclination for her to follow me? And it's a following that's not me lording it over on her. It's just I respect what he's doing. I respect the direct he's going. He's following after God. And I'm going to follow him. I'm going to submit. I'm going to subject myself to him. As a result of the original sin, though, of Adam and Eve, God promises us that that's going to be an issue in our marriages. If you're married, you know when it rises up inside of you, right? You know when it rises up inside of you. When Hannah, Hannah's not here, so I'm definitely going to tell a story about her. If she doesn't want to show up, I'm going to tell a story about her. When Hannah got frustrated with stuff that I would do, I probably should have saved this for the fathers don't exasperate your children's section. She'd do what I called the Hannah growl. Anybody do that? I bet there's other growlers out there too. Do you children? Are you growlers? Shows a lack of submission and respect for your parents and obedience for your parents. So let's, let's get to that. You know, Ephesians 5 links beautifully to Ephesians 6. Husbands and wives submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And children obey their parents out of reverence for Christ. Same thing, kids. Same thing. You obey your parents out of reverence for Christ. You know, but parents have, we parents have to teach our children to obey. And when we do, we hope that they will obey because obedience to parents leads to order and stability in our homes. I, I, it made me think of Deuteronomy. If you have a, a Bible and you want to look at this with me, wow, we've become high tech. I look at Dave gets up there, you Bible, you version, I can go there, go right to the app. Well, I didn't do it because I, I forgot my smartphone, but I bet it would have taken me longer just to, get, to do that than to get my Bible out, but that's awesome. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, look with me if you can, or just listen. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it. So this is, this is God, he's speaking, and he's saying, here are the commandments, but it's not enough to know them, you got to do them, all right? That's the obedience piece. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. That's great. So we got, some, we got some great grandparents in here, I'm betting, today, possibly. You, your son, and your son's son, that we would obey these statutes and commandments which God is commanding all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. There's that promise that God refers to in, in, uh, in, uh, Deut- in uh, Ephesians as well. Verse 3, hear therefore, Israel, and be careful to do them. There it is again. It's not enough to know them. You must be obedient and do them 
that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Now this is for this context, but this context still works for us today. This is God's created order of authority and obedience and institution and within the family and how children need to respect and obey their parents. So, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Very familiar passages. You're about to hear the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In other words, when are you as parents teaching your children about obedience and the commands of of Scripture? All the time. He just handled all the time that dads have a responsibility, moms have a responsibility to teach their children what the commandments are and how to obey and then hold them to that obeying. And then you also want to show everybody in the world that you're the light of the world, that you follow Jesus Christ. In this case, that's not, this is a Jewish tradition of visually showing that you're a believer in the one true God. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes, a phylactery where they kept the main commands of Scripture either on their forehead or on their, on their upper arm. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, we need to show people that we are Christians all the time. And we need to be teaching our children what it means to obey. And then the only responsibility really the children have is obey. Even when you don't want to. Especially when you don't want to. Obey. You must obey children all the time. Parents must teach their children to obey. Why? It's a command of scripture. It's right for children to obey. When the bonds of a family life break up, when respect for parents fails, the community becomes decadent and will not live long. This is a commentator by the name of Folks who says that. I realize that some of you children are in tough situations, perhaps. Some children don't even know who their fathers are. Or if they do know the fathers, he's absent, they're absent or passive in their homes, in their lives. Or he may be verbally abusive and perhaps even physically abusive. How is a child to obey such a father? Well, perhaps the best a child can do then is to honor the office of parents rather than the person. It's hard. I'm, I had a great dad. Every time I go to these workshops where these get, presenters get up and say, you've got to come in touch with your father wound. You've got to process your father wound before you can move on in life and be fully functional for Christ. I always have to think, i got a great dad. I had a great dad. I don't have the father wound. He's 81 today. I spent time with him yesterday. It was awesome. I love being around the guy. He's a tremendous father. He's not perfect. There's little idiosyncrasies and eccentricities of my dad. That's, if you know eccentricities and idiosyncrasies of me, you probably have seen a reflection of my father. It's kind of a cool thing. It's like Jesus. If you, you want to know who the father is? Look at Jesus. Jesus was just behaving exactly like the father. And how long does that honoring of parenting extend? Well, in the ancient world, obligations to parents extended to death. Adult children must still honor their parents, and that still goes today. As far as I'm concerned, that's an issue today that we really need to come to grips with. Honor requires care and attention for life. So children, obey your parents. And on this Father's Day, remember the command of Scripture to obey your father when he is submitted to Christ. Follow your earthly father as he follows his heavenly father. So that's the point with children, and the slide should pop up to say the children's humility and respect for authority are at the root of better parenting. Remember, humility, respect for authority, it's the root of better families.
Okay, fathers, on this Father's Day, <clears throat> you're not off the hook. Okay, it's these Father's Day, I've heard Dave preach this before. We all, you know, get gushy over moms and we give them roses and we see how wonderful they are and we bonded with them and I'm the kind of man I am today because of my mom. And then we beat up dads on Father's Day. At least Dave says that. And I, don't, I never want to beat up dads. I mean, I think each parent is equally culpable in times for mistakes in parenting. <laughs> But I want to encourage the dads here today to not exasperate your children, as I have done over the years, <laughs> many times, especially my younger daughter, more so than my older daughter. In a family characterized by peace, joy, and unity, the father does not lord it over his children. Dads, this is important. The power of fathers at the time that Paul was writing this letter, these fathers had unlimited power. They could literally determine whether a child, when he was born or she was born, had life or death. Some were taken out and given away to other families. Some were actually killed. That was the context in which this was being written. So, in this context, Paul is being really radical. He's saying that the gospel is introducing a fresh element into parental responsibility by insisting that the feelings of the child must be taken into consideration. So, Kaylin, you're a wonderful young woman. You're very beautiful, and you're a spiritual woman. I really admire you for that. And I'm sure there's times when your dad annoys you and exasperates you. I mean, I love your dad, and maybe I'm speaking out of school here a little bit. But, you know, the point is, he shouldn't exasperate you. So you have a little, you have a little, he has responsibility to you is my point, right? And the same way I would say that to any of the children here, any of the dads, think about this yourself and how you're interacting with your children. When, are, when you are disciplining a child, are you controlling yourself first? What did they say about my dad? My dad hit me a lot. He wasn't abusive. There was no child abuse there. I did stuff that I should have done. And he hit me. Lovingly. Right? He was always self-controlled. I never remember a time when he got so angry and out of control. It was, it was interesting. I, don't, I, don't, I have no residual memory other than that was the right thing for him to do with me. But if he'd gone out of control and abused me physically or emotionally through his words and hurt me, ah, that's another whole deal there. We owe to our children this responsibility to be self-controlled ourselves. Uh, we must also recall the words of Christ in the Great Commission. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. As fathers, guys, if you're a dad, guys, if you're a granddad, guys, if you're a great-granddad, you have a responsibility, as I just read in Deuteronomy, to keep teaching your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, to disciple them, to pour your life into them, right? You are a disciple of Jesus Christ, hopefully, and you are a disciple-maker. Your first responsibility as a disciple-maker is to teach your own children. The family is the primary place for discipleship. So disciple your children. I was convicted of this on Friday when I attended a, a seminar with several people from our church. We were well represented at Waukee Community Church there at that seminar. And we heard the presenters say to us, you have to disciple your own children if you have children. You've got to bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. You've got to train them up. In fact, I'm going to preach again in June. We're going through a series called Don't Be Stupid. Is that the name of the series? Don't Be Stupid? Avoiding Stupid. And the title of mine is going to be based on Proverbs 22.6. The proverb is, train a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. So don't be stupid about training children. And that's not just if you're a parent. 
Everybody here, as this presenter said on Friday, is either a spiritual parent or a spiritual aunt or uncle. He said aunt or uncle. I was kind of enjoyed that, but I say it in the non-Minnesota version. You are a spiritual father. You are a spiritual mother, literally, biologically, or my adoptive daughter, Hannah. I am her spiritual father. I'm not her spiritual uncle. Uncles and aunts are available to help correct Parents are there and responsible. Wasn't that the words he used? I loved how he said that. That's a beautiful metaphor of everyone in this church. We have a responsibility to these children. And I think about life group that way. I think of the Brooks's life group. How many kids are in that life group, Jay? Like 30? 18, okay, I agree. I'm, I'm giving an exaggeration. 18 is not 30, but that's a lot of kids. And I see those families, and I know how they're interacting on Sunday mornings, and I see them in other settings there's this love. I mean, they all run and you jump up to each other, you know, and that's cool. I mean, there's, there's people that are there that are available, but you as parents, you as fathers, you need to be the primary discipler of your own children. You don't, you don't abdicate that responsibility to your life group, to a church, or a Christian school. It's your responsibility. So, again, here's my next point on the slide. Humility and respect for authority are at the root of better fathering. They're at the root of families, in this case, in that section of scripture, of fathering. Okay, now let's get into this real tricky, dicey thing with slavery. It's always, people get all hung up, you know, about this. What's he mean about that? You know, slavery. We don't have slavery today. What's that mean? Okay, I'm going to try to draw an analogy. At the time Paul was writing in the church of Ephesus, the culture accepted the institution of slavery. Slavery was not primarily a racial issue, as we think of it from American slavery. Because all races were slaves and all races had slaves. Can you think of that? That's a pretty interesting culture. It wasn't, it wasn't like if somebody was of a certain race, you enslaved them alone. Like I just said, all races were slaves and all races had slaves. It was considered an economic and practical necessity. As many as one-third of the people in Greece and Rome were slaves. You know, there's no doubt that many slaves' lives were harsh and cruel. Laws attempted to prevent gross abuse of slaves, but owners did have free reign to treat slaves as they wished. For the early church, however, to have advocated revolt would have been death to the Christian movement. Slavery and other social issues were not their focus. The focus of Christians was the gospel and the description of life that the gospel brought to their lives. And then ultimately, as we understood the design of God and the value of each man and woman, every person having value, slavery was killed. Now, is slavery killed completely today? No, unfortunately. You've got sex slavery. You've got all this kind of stuff going around the world. Don't put your head in the sand. There's bad stuff going on around the world because there's still evil people who sin and want to enslave others. The gospel brought a healthier relationship between master and slave, ultimately dooming the practice of slavery because of the Bible's teaching about the inherent value of all men and freedom in Christ. After slaves became followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, they no longer belonged to their owners. They were slaves of Christ. They served him and they did God's will. And the slave owners were to treat them the same way as the slaves were to treat their owners. This is that passage today. It's a wonderful explanation, I think, of how slavery in that context was viewed as people came to know the Lord, as they know Christianity and as it spread throughout the culture. Apparently, in Paul's time, slaves were notorious for being lazy and for lying. Neither avenue remained an option for Christian slaves. You couldn't be lazy or a liar anymore. The scriptures taught you that that was just not acceptable. 
the house rules, the house order that was taught as you learned to be a, a believer, the sort of catechisms that you had to know at the root of your life would not have allowed, certainly, for you to be lazy or lying. So through our work, I'm going to make a really a big leap from slavery into work, but uh, it's the best I can do today. Through our work, we seek to please God, not men or women, right? Through our work, we seek to honor and glorify God, not to glorify ourselves and not to glorify others. You know, I think during message community, Doug McCone used a beautiful metaphor, and I had really never thought of this before. Everyone in an organization, in an institution, is a little different personality. We're all essentially playing different notes, but when the right notes are played at the right time, you've got harmony. When it's in control, when there's structure, when there's order, there's a plan, and you execute that plan. You don't have dissonance, you've got a beautiful score of music. We have different roles, we play different notes, but again, here we go. Within institutions, humility and respect for authority are at the root of better relationships within those institutions of, this, of defined authority structures. Government, families, church, marriage. These are institutions that the Lord has determined when we're in the workplace and we're going, doing what we need to do unto Him. We respect the authority and we do what He calls us to do. Well, so what? Okay, here we go. Here comes the applications. I got a one-point sermon, but out of that sermon, there's a lot of things that each of us has to think about as we live out our lives. Children, I'm always seemingly putting over here because the greatest collection of children are right here, but where you're a child, man, I should just focus on you today. This one-on-one sermon here. This one's for you, buddy. Children, obey, honor your parents. Honor your parents. Even and especially, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Now, that needed to be sincere. That didn't, okay, that's better. That, that looked a little not, that wasn't genuine at first, but that's good, that's good. Children, honor your parents, even and especially when you do not wish to. Parents, honor your parents as an example of your children. Right? I hope Molly and Hannah have seen, and then as Lily and Graceland and the new baby grow up, that they'll see that I honor my parents. I hope they live a long time that they, they see that I love and honor and respect and obey my parents. And in so doing, that modeling would hopefully make them obey me as well and then for their own children. What a, what a beautiful thing to be a grandparent. Can I, can I just digress right now? You just wait. when you're If you don't have grandchildren, you just wait. It's awesome. I mean, I always thought it would be pretty good, but until you're there, you don't really realize how good it is. It's good to see children you know, one generation to the next, that hopefully are going to be Christ followers and, and respect and honor the Lord first and foremost. Husbands and wives, model respectful, honoring, and loving marriages to your children, and they're going to want to have the same kind of marriage. And they're going to want to try to find the same kind of spouse. Right? I, I think of Jake, and he's not exactly like me, but I just smile every time I think about Jake. Where is he today, by the way? I'm going to really get after him today. I'm going to... Okay, again, I say something I didn't have permission to say. But Jake is just, I mean, I could, people asked me on the day I was walking Molly down the aisle, oh, I bet it's a sad day for you. This is really sad. I go, no, I was like filled with joy. I'm heading down the aisle toward a man that loves my daughter unconditionally, who's largely like me, like full of adventure and joy. Wouldn't we want our daughters to marry someone like us if they're admiring us in our godliness, hopefully, in our personality? I don't know. We don't, it doesn't always happen that way, but it's pretty cool. 
Husbands, be servant leaders to your families. Husbands, wives, submit to your husbands when they are seeking the Lord's will. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. And then in your work or home, outside the home, seek to honor and please the Lord. Neither seek to defy authority or to please man when you must first honor the Lord. In church, in this church, in Waukee Community Church, be humble. Respect Pastor Dave. Respect Pastor Jeff. Respect the elders. Respect the other leaders whom God has called to advance his kingdom through our work at Waukee Community Church. Again, humility and respect for authority are at the root of better families. Our culture says either one of two things, two extremes. Do not submit to anybody. You know, we've got a real problem in this world today. You know, it started in the 60s. Right? We, we automatically distrust authority. And I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. I mean, Ronald Reagan had it right. This is not a political statement. Trust but verify. Right? It's unfortunate that we have to distrust authority so much. But we still need to be broken and submit, especially when we see people are humble and they're wanting things to go better for other people's lives. Set aside your rights. Do I have rights? I have all these rights. We, we live in this age of entitlement. I have a right to do this. Really? Do you really have a right? I'm not sure. I don't know. Think about that carefully. In Philippians 2, Paul vividly reminded us that Jesus, though he was God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. Making himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. Humbling himself by being obedient to the point of death on a cross. Now that is the example. Would we, we be willing to do that? like to say I could do that, but when push comes to shove, I don't know. The Lord put me in a greater mindset that I would be moving in that direction to become more like Jesus Christ every day as I'm conformed to his likeness. So what was the outcome when Jesus did that? Right, the world would say, wow, what a weak leader. He went to the death on a cross. What would God do? God the Father highly exalted him and has bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that one day, and there will be that day, remember, he's coming again. Now, here's the, here's the you know, glory sound here today. He's coming again. God makes promises. He, does, he honors every single promise. He's done it every time before. He's going to do this one too. He's coming again. And when that happens, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the authority. Amen is right. Amen, amen, and amen. That's a great outcome from a seemingly weak leadership position. God doesn't do things the way that we expect. We want to define the world the way we want to define the world. We need to get in line with what the way God defines reality in this world. We are a family. We are a family. As a closing illustration, which I'm not getting permission to do here, this is the story I was speaking of. I'd like to tell a story about Molly. Now, this is a story I've told before in this church as I've preached, but since many of you were not there the day that I preached it, there's many new families here today. It beautifully illustrates the point that I'm trying to make today. And I'm going to read it from the note, on the back of the note that she wrote to me on the day that the story occurred. Once upon a time, on December 31st, 1991, Bob and Molly Stouffer awakened on the biggest football ball game day of the year. Five-year-old Molly wanted to watch cartoons. Of course, Dad wanted to watch football. 
from dawn to dusk. The thoughtless oaf he was and often still is. Incensed, Molly hooped loudly and she stomped back to her room and she slammed her door. She inherited her father's temper. I ignored her tantrum and basically forgot about her for an hour, at which time she emerged from her room, stopped the father lying on the couch, thrust a piece of paper on the floor in front of him, retraced her steps, and slammed the door again. Well, I didn't want to dignify that emotional outburst with any kind of response, so I ignored the note she had written. Cheryl returned home a short time thereafter. She picked up the note and started laughing uncontrollably. And this is that note right here. This is the note that she wrote right here. If you want to see it afterwards, I'm not making this story up. I exasperated my daughter, and I understand why she responded the way she did. Molly had written in really good invented spelling, To Dad, I can't believe I still love you. <laughs> see? <laughs> It's, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> Molly should not have respected my authority as her father when I behaved in such a way. I, was, I, was, I exasperated her. I was self-centered. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. If I had been any kind of a dad or a father, I would have figured out a way. Okay, let's watch some cartoons. The early games in football, they can't have been. It was the Sisters of the Poor playing the Priests of the Humility probably in that game. I don't know. But you know, I could have given the cartoons that way. But she did respect me. She did respect me. She didn't come and make an issue of it. She just went back to her room, figured out how to deal with me, even at five. You know, God bless her for that. God bless all of us when we're able to humble ourselves in our search to honor, respect, and submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for this portion of Scripture that makes it very clear to us how important humility is at the core of our being. That we are humble, broken people before you, Lord. That our respect for you, our acknowledgement of you as Lord of our lives is so important. That we are God, not God and you are God. When we get that relationship right, when we learn your commands of Scripture, when we obey those commands of Scripture, when we do them, when we're not just hearers of the Word, but we're doers of the Word. Lord, it goes so much better. Even when life is raging around us, there's junk going on. Lord, you didn't promise that it was going to be an easy life. You promised us that there would be trouble. We just need to abide in you. We need to follow you. We need to respect your authority. And within the institutions that you've established, women, wives submitting to their husbands, children obeying their parents, fathers not exasperating their children, to have a more beautiful relationship that way within this institution of work that we would be submitted to authority and that we'd work through that structure and always seek first to please you and to honor you. That's our desire. That's my prayer for every person in this room. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.